This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I am eating a whole Pop-Tart and being as obnoxious as possible about it. (laughs) Well, I had quite the weekend. Tell me everything. Don't leave out a single detail. Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, it's countdown to Christmas, finally. Yay. Thank goodness. Like, everyone is so, like, all of our friends were like, oh, Halloween parties, Halloween costumes. And I was like, nope, I'm on my couch watching Christmas movies. Thank you very much. Right. Um, so Deck the Hallmark, which is another um, podcast. They cover the Hallmark movies, obviously. Um, they did a 25-hour, like, live stream. While they were, like, watching the first 25 hours of Christmas movies that came out. Right. So they started with the Hallmark, what the one that was on the Movies and Mysteries, which was really terrible. It should have been a Lifetime movie because the guy looked like a serial killer. Um, Perfect. But we started with that one and then ended with last night's Christmas Wishes and Mistletoe Kisses. Oh, what starring, a stupid title. Starring Jill Wagner. Um, where, wherein she has to choose whether she loves the very handsome and successful doctor or the very handsome and successful billionaire. Um, okay. Life's hard. You know, <laughs> I remember the last time I had to make that choice. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like, um, ended up staying on their live stream pretty much the whole time. I did fall asleep for a little while. And, How dare um, you? Huh? How dare you? I know. it's. I'm ashamed of myself. But I did get to talk to Christopher Palau on the phone. Like he called you? Well, he did not call me. He's friends with the Deck the Hallmark guys, and they were taking calls. So, I I mean, I talked to all four of them. Oh, so you called in. It was like a, okay. Yeah. So So I am just as starstruck. I'm just as starstruck by the deck, the Hallmark guys, as I was by Christopher Palaha. But I know that other people would not be. So So I lead with that. Mm -hmm. In my head, he called you and you two now have a date. And um, he's he's going to be my co-host in law. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's like super married. No, they had some great guests. They had um, Paul Campbell, who was in a lifetime movie that we covered actually oh i was like of campbell soup fame like you know i don't know people he was in the girl in the bathtub yeah let's not talk about that one i'm still not recovered from that particular case (laughs) um and then um andrew walker do you know who he is Um, i mean you will if i show you his picture son of andrew walker senior yeah um He's like this gorgeous. He looks like a vampire. It's just glowing white. <laughs> it's not focusing. Oh, hello. I do know him. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very interesting how a lot of them were like doing things like Christopher Palaha was fixing his vacuum cleaner. And um, Paul Campbell was like getting ready to build something. And Andrew Walker was just sitting on his porch in Canada being gorgeous. That's all you have to do when you look like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun, and also I'm really tired. So, uh, but I did get up and go to brunch today, like I, like a good girl. So, I uh, I got up and went to church. So we both went to our places of worship on Sunday morning. 
I would call you a liar, but <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like I haven't dominated our, our conversation like that in a really long time. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. You know, I I enjoy when it's all about me. But every once in a while, I want to pretend like I care and I'm interested sure. about you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so. It was a good weekend. Yeah. So I asked. Um, I, I, I extended the invitation to the Deck the Hallmark guys to come on the show if they want. Um, and I even said that we would watch our foul mouths. Um, we will. I'll bleep it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and. um. I, I asked Christopher Blaha to please like do us a solid and go talk to Lifetime and be in a movie and then come be on the show. And he was like, yeah, I have a million things going on, but let me get right on that for you. So, so what TikTok. we're telling you guys is, <laughs> is things are still up in the air right now. We, yeah. We've got a lot of things in the works. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm so glad that you had such a marvelous weekend because I have cold great. sores in each of my yeah. nostrils. So one of us needed to have a good time. That sounds horribly painful and unfair. It's awful because I, you know, it's the universal joke, like the whole world and God like to laugh at me that I'm allergic to dogs. And I also have three dogs. Yep. And our big dog, the one who's got cancer that I was talking about earlier, um, he wanted to sleep in bed last night and we normally don't allow that. But since he's not doing great, we put him in the bed with us, which means I woke (laughs) up incredibly sick. Which means I've yeah. been trying to blow my nose with cold sores in my nostrils. <laughs> well, that's horrible. Um, I deserve my own reality show that's just me inventing the new curse words that I have made up every time I've blown my nose today. <laughs> For sure. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I got off my super syrupy um, Hallmark movie 24-hour, like, you got uh, off your binge. Hallmark bullshit, yeah. Yeah, and then I watched this movie. And now, it may just be because I have been on the Super Syrupy Hallmark Channel binge, but this movie was dark. Well, you can't tell us anything about it yet. Oh, okay. Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. That's three weeks in a row that we've just been ourselves. Uh, yes, but I was about to tell you that I was Paul Campbell. Oh, but I went blank on his last name, so then I just had to be me. <laughs> it's okay. I I kept mixing up his name with Pete Campbell, who's just the guy from Mad Men. Like, <laughs> not even the actor, the character. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this movie was dark. This case seems like it's probably very dark. Uh huh. Yeah, I this was depressing. There's not a single rede- redeeming character in this whole shebang. Well, all there, of them are horrible people. There is in the real story, but it doesn't actually make it better. Oh. Cool. <laughs> <sighs> this week I watched Murder in the Hamptons. It's a kind of a flashback because it was released in 2005. So it's an old one. Um, it stars Poppy Montgomery. Her name is Generosa, but I just call her Poppy the whole time. Mostly because I couldn't understand her name because I was watching this on YouTube. Oh, okay. Look, um, I read the name and I couldn't understand it. So I'll go with Poppy too. 
listen, Lifetime, we've asked you many times. We know we're important to you, and we've asked you to please release your full catalog to us, and I need you to get on that, please. Watching movies on YouTube is really hard. (laughs) I just want you to know, Lifetime, since you're listening, for sure you're listening, Aaron is a big deal with the Hallmark people, with with people at Hallmark, and we could easily look at Hallmark Channel instead. Did it work? Yeah, because, Are you threatened? Because they put they put so many movies out about true crime. Okay, any one of those Christmas movies is a crime in and of itself. Where are any people? Where are any people of color except for the two movies where there's heaven forbid an interracial couple? Hey, either... there were three whole people of color in the movie last night. Whoa! It took you twenty five hours to find three whole people of color. <laughs> I was actually impressed. <laughs> um, so Poppy Montgomery is from Without a Trace. Um, she plays Marilyn Monroe in the movie Blonde. Um, and she's in a show called Unforgettable. And she was in the Lifetime movie Magic Beyond Words, the J.K. Rowling story, where she plays J.K. Rowling. That's the only thing I know her from. Mm-hmm. You listed a whole bunch of stuff, and I was like, well, Poppy, nothing pops to mind when your name is said. But now I got one. Oh, I know her from a bunch of stuff, so. Yeah, but you, um, like, watch TV and exist in a, like, regular human life. I do. Um, David Sutcliffe. I have the biggest crush on him since 2002 or 2003, because um, he is Rory Gilmore's dad. Yes, he is. He plays Ted in this movie, but he was in Gilmore Girls, and which I in, never got into Gilmore Girls. I know, but he was also in private practice for a little bit. He was. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know why I know his uh, <laughs> list Did of you things. you know he's also in Under the Tuscan Sun? Yes. And Degrassi? Yes. And since Lydia's been watching Degrassi, and that's all she talks about right now, I put that in just for her. Shout out, Lyd. <laughs> Um, and he's also in all the Christmas movies. Really? All of them. Had mm-hmm. no idea. All of them. Um, Sean Christian plays Danny Pelosi. I just call him contractor because I could not understand his name either. <laughs> um, he's from As the World Turns. He's in the Ruby Herring Mysteries on Hallmark. Lots of Hallmark people this week. Um, it's like a he, theme. Where I know him from, and where you hopefully also know him from, is do you remember in Friends season eight when Rachel was pregnant? Uh huh. And she went to the doctor. Uh huh. When she was horny. Yes. He was the, do- the he doctor. He was Doctor Schiff. Okay. <laughs> um, but this week our Pornhub TV is brought to us by Miss Poppy Montgomery. It was a really tough one this week. I had a really hard time with this. Um, but. It's called How to Lose Your Lover. How to Lose Your Lover is about um, the notorious Black Widow killer who um, marries millionaires, fucks them, and then they mysteriously die the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, And she makes sure that um, she has an ironclad foot in the will so that everything just rolls over to her. Um, and so How to Lose Your Lover is about Poppy Montgomery, that's her last name, Mm -hmm. starring as Posey Montgomery, (laughs) 
um, a multi-quadrillionaire who has slept her way through Upper Manhattan as the Black Widow (laughs) killer. That was something. See, Um, Lifetime's going to hire me to write a movie for them one day. I totally want to write a movie for Lifetime. Um, They're going to run out of all of their options and it'll just be me. They will. Um, Events after an earthquake convince Owen, a writer of hack as told to autobiographies. I don't know what that means. Um, He leaves LA. He burns his bridges. Say that again. A writer of hack as told to biographies. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm going to rent this movie and find out, but I mean. Uh, Hold on. I am renting it right now. You've seen like four movies in your whole life. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to round it out to a whole five. (laughs) Um, He quits his job. His current client, who is, quote, a Randy astronaut. (laughs) Man, if I had a dollar for every time someone called me a Randy astronaut, I would have zero dollars because I don't think people would use that phrase. No, I can't believe that they do use this phrase. And he heads to the airport. Waiting for his flight to New York, he sees Val, a friend of his latest ex. They chat and Owen postpones leaving just to make sure she's not for him. For a week, he accelerates courtship, asks to meet her parents, introduces her to his best and only friend, and takes her to a party where a hound he knows will try to seduce her. What if she passes all the tests? Can Owen find a way to divorce his life and get out of L.A.? This is just how to lose a guy in 10 days in reverse. Yeah. Additionally... What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So we open and it's very blurry. And then it focuses on Poppy Montgomery walking into court in huge sunglasses, which is how you know that she lives in the Hamptons. Or she (laughs) is visually impaired. (laughs) <laughs> she may have gone to the eye doctor that morning and gotten her eyes dilated. <laughs> she or, walked in the wrong building and think it's a modeling shoot. There are really many options here. And then we cut to nosy Nancy, the neighbor being interviewed about how quote, this kind of thing just doesn't happen in the Hamptons. And if it's a prowler, they better catch him quickly. And I don't know why she's Southern, but she is. <laughs> Now that said, because I, I probably will forget to say it in my part, this really was only the second murder in a span of 60 years in the Hamptons. Like, it really doesn't yeah. happen. When you're that rich, you have a hitman do it whenever they're not in your hometown. Lower property values. Right. Um, then we cut to two ladies who I call Buffy and Buffy. Um, <laughs> they're having wine on a patio at noon, which is, you know, goals. Um, and they are talking about how... They heard it was drugs, and then they heard that she had a boyfriend, and then they heard that he had a boyfriend. <gasps> and then we cut to the crime scene. Um, Wait, when you say he had a boyfriend, do you mean dead husband or boyfriend? Dead husband. Okay, because I was like, if her boyfriend had a boyfriend, this really is a much more interesting story than I realized. <laughs> um, we cut quickly to the crime scene and then to a guy named Rex or his name, I assume is Rex. Um, (laughs) He's holding a tennis racket and talking about how um, Ted, the guy who died was just always running. Like someone was chasing him. 
Maybe he was a big fan of marathons. You don't know. Um, and then more ladies on the beach speculating about how much money he was really worth. Um, Muffy and Buffy say that he always had a name for himself, but well, she was in real estate. And then they lower it and they're like, apartment rentals, the lowest of the low. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you watched the right movie? Because this just sounds like a bad, like, Bravo reality show. That was the real Housewives of the Hamptons. (laughs) Meets million dollar. Oh, what's the show about selling million dollar? Million dollar listing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We cut to Poppy walking through a pretty swank townhome. Practicing her pitch. Not her pitch like vocally, her pitch like by this apartment. Um, Thank you for the clarification. She uses, she uses her flip phone to call Ted Ammon because he's late for his showing. Um, his secretary says that he's on his way and then she taps her foot on the floor for a while. Her boss calls because her next appointment has already left since she never showed up. So Poppy just goes on down to Ted's office to give him a piece of her mind. Like you do. Because mm-hmm. that's the way you guarantee somebody uses you as their realtor. Mm-hmm. You piss them off. Yeah. She like storms in and she's like, why do people like you think they're above the rules? And I waited for three hours for you and you never showed up. And um, it reminded me, remember that movie Obsessed with Jenna Elfman? Yes. How she like waited at the restaurant for three hours just to break up with him and dramatically get in a cab. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's a sexy SAT words. um so he like listens to her yell and then he charmingly calls himself worthless and inconsiderate then he sits back in his chair puts his feet on the conference room table and asks her to tell him about the apartment she says she thinks that he should just see it for himself and he says maybe they can go tonight and look at it and then he can take her out to dinner afterwards Mm mm-hmm that's real bad when you are so lonely the only way you can find a date is to piss a realtor off and make her come to your office right (laughs) that's like it's for some people it's a good thing tinder was invented yeah (laughs) we cut to dinner and champagne um they've already established themselves as that couple who sits on the same side of the booth even though there's only two of them so i hate them oh sarah and i do that yeah i hate you two too we're adorable don't you even lie Oh, anyways, um, <laughs> she talks about how she's Italian, but she was raised in a foster homes. Um, she switches the focus back on him and asks him if he comes from money or if he has to earn it like everyone else. <laughs> um, he compliments her bluntness and says he's earned every penny that he has. I don't believe it, but okay. The next day, Poppy is talking to her gay best friend. Who's like, girl, he picked you up in his limo. He whined you. He dined you. He sent you flowers for no reason the next day. And he's gorgeous. Honey, he sounds like he's too good to be true. Yep. And I was like, um, yep. yep. Everyone needs a gay best friend. Um, do, do, do. Poppy says she really likes him. And so he's like, Ugh, fine. At least tell me he has a brother. <laughs> <laughs> So Ted goes to Poppy's house, um, and it turns out that she's an artist. A good artist? No, not a good artist. So Ted pretends to be interested, like a good boyfriend. Um, 
They walk through the park with bikes and they talk about his ex. Um, Poppy sees a cab like almost run over a woman. And this is like from across the park. She was not like right there. And she flies into a freaking rage. She loses her shit and she runs up to the driver screaming and Ted has to drag her away, like physically. <laughs> and um, he doesn't see this as a red flag. No, they talk about it later and she says that sometimes she just goes off, but she assures him that he, she's not crazy. Okay. So, Listen, I'm not crazy. Hey, I, I just remembered that I'm still in love with my ex-wife. I got to go by. <laughs> um. No, that's not what happened because she's hot. So Ted wouldn't have cared if she had set the cab on fire. Uh, um, Ted introduces her to his friends and then they have a define the relationship talk in the middle of the street. Like you do. Um, Ted wants things to keep going the way they are. Poppy wants things to get more serious, a.k.a. she wants him to put a ring on it. So she breaks up with him so he can figure things out. And then she dramatically gets into a cab. <laughs> You don't get in a cab. I get in a cab. (laughs) He leaves desperate messages on her answering machine while she listens from the couch. She finally picks up and tells him to leave her alone at work. The next day, her uh, GBF comes in and says she has a visitor. He opens a sliding door and there's Ted. He's making the grandest of grand gestures because he didn't come with a small velvet box with one ring in it to propose. He came with a big velvet box with six rings in it to propose. He just pulls in the entire Zales and he's like, listen, (laughs) I couldn't bring Tiffany's today. (laughs) Um, She picks the pear-shaped one, which... You? uh, Odd choice, but (laughs) you do you. Weird flex, but okay. (laughs) Um... They're interviewing the the GBF who says that after the wedding, she moved straight into Ted's townhouse, of course, and had the whole house redone. She tried to sell her art, but it's made out of trash and not good. So that doesn't go well for her. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Ted offers to help her get a show, but she turns him down. She's like, no, everyone will know you paid for it for me. And he's like, that's how that stuff works. Um They interviewed Ted's sister, who says Ted always wanted kids, but Poppy didn't at first. Um, But she wanted to make Ted happy, so they tried and tried to have a baby with no luck. Um, We see Ted charmingly cutting a business meeting short, announcing to his workers, his people that work for him, I have to have sex with my wife at exactly 12.05. I'm pretty sure that that counts as some kind of sexual harassment or... One of his workers is like, oh, be sure to take this road. That other one's closed. Um, wh- I, it was very weird. Okay. Yeah, I would, if I, mm, yeah, never mind. But they ended up adopting four-year-old twins instead, which is really sweet until it's not anymore. By the way, mm-hmm. have you seen the tweet that says something along the lines of, we're trying to have a baby sounds a lot more appropriate than I get sloppy cream pies every night. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it this week and I laughed so hard I almost wet myself. That is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's one of the most lewd things I've ever said, but God, it was funny. That is one of the most... Lo- I had never <laughs> expected that sentence to come out of your mouth. Wow. 
I thought I was the bad one. <laughs> I just keep it on the inside. Oh man. Um. So that it's them. It's Ted and Poppy and the kids, and they're all on the beach. And Ted says he's going to quit his job to spend more time with him. So he quits his job and then starts a new company, which is not how to spend more time with your family. Oh, you mean but- like this year when I told Sarah that. I was going to take some more time for myself. Then I started a job where I had to go and take more classes for my master's degree. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> so they moved to East Hampton. Um, we see more of the townspeople talking about what a nice part of um, the Hamptons it was and who their neighbors were. Like Steven Spielberg lives just down the street. Ooh, you know, Um They all talk about what good taste Poppy has. She decorated the house so nice. Um, And we cut to them having a garden party. Ted's friend toasts him for doing so well with the new company. And Poppy is like, excuse me, I deserve some credit here because I'm pretty. She's Chrissy Teigen. Sure. Have you seen Chrissy Teigen's tweet that says, I don't know why. It was right after John Legend won the... um, I think song of the year or whatever for all of me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she tweeted, why is everyone congratulating John for all of me? Without me, there would be no all of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she's Chrissy Teigen, but crazy and annoying. Right. Um, I like Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, I love Chrissy Teigen. Um, the friend's wife calls Poppy's tulips red instead of burgundy. Oh, no. Don't you dare talk shit about Poppy's tulips. Yeah. Um, and so Poppy loses her shit again, calls her crazy, and storms away, uh, like into the house away from the party. Later that night, we see her just pulling all the tulips out of the ground and throwing them across the yard and screaming, you know, like normal people do. I have expected you to say she was like the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland. And she's out there like fucking painting the tulips. No, it was drama so like ted runs outside and he's like uh what what the fuck is happening (laughs) and um she sobs about wanting everything to be perfect it was really crazy and also girl those tulips were red (laughs) um we see them having another fight one morning because he can't have breakfast with his family and he's never around um a voiceover talks about how Poppy just continued to devolve into the point where every little thing set her off. Um, she storms into a restaurant to interrupt a business dinner with her full on crazy eyes um, and interrogates a lady that Ted and three other men are having dinner with, like a business dinner with. Like, assumes she, like, that he's down. having an affair with this. Yeah. Okay. She like sits down and she's like, oh, Oh, hi. Are are you married? And she's like, no. And she's like, mm, well, Ted is. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, mm, yeah. Um, they go home and fight about it. He's like, why are you so crazy? And she's like, you know what we need is a vacation, just the two of us. So they go to England and buy a huge estate. Like you do. I mean, that's what I do on my vacations. Right, duh. Um, so now instead of commuting to the Hamptons Ted's commuting to England yeah he's going to have a lot more time with his family 
it's really going to help their marital problems. I yeah. think. I think this was a good move. Yeah. Right. right. Um. Of course, they fight more. No. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. No. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Poppy shows photo like she has him followed, and then like throws these photos down on the table like they mean something, but it's just him like going to work. <laughs> He's like, so in one of the photos, he's standing like a good distance away from this woman, the same woman talking to her and she's holding a baby. And so from this, um, you can surmise that that's Poppy, Ted's baby. Yeah. Poppy <laughs> surmises that that's, that's Ted's baby. So Ted's like, um, this is crazy. I'm leaving. Um, and she's like, go be with your whore. <laughs> She starts comparing his features like, look, the baby has a nose and you have a nose. What's that say? <laughs> um, so Ted's friends are being interviewed and they say that he and Lindy, the woman, were just friends. And if anything else was going on, they had no idea. Um, but the friend's wife was like, well, she's like, yeah, he was living in New York and they were living in England. And so, you know, it's. It's only right of her to be suspicious. And I was like, well, that's not exactly true. Um, <clears throat> so she does say that she would be surprised if the baby was his, though. Um, we see Poppy just, you know, doing her thing and going through all of his shit. Because, you know, that's what you do when you're in a loving and trusting relationship. Right. I mean, you go through Sarah's stuff all the time. Uh, right now, that's why you're hearing all the noise of me just rifling through everything she owns (laughs) oh gosh um aha lipstick she must be having an affair she must be um so she finds preliminary divorce papers and so like she goes off the deep end you know so Finally, they decide to get a divorce. No, Um, I did not see that coming. And sinister music plays while everyone talks about how nasty their divorce is. Um, Poppy and the kids move back to New York um, and they move into the St. Clifton Hotel and they start ordering room service for every meal. I want to be so rich that I can live out of a fancy hotel. that's the dream like kevin mcallister Um, style yes and like so they show them they're everyone's talking about how nasty this divorce is but basically all they show so far is just poppy asking for more stuff and ted being like fine give it to her it's fine i don't care um that's that's the nasty part is he just laid down and took it yeah um Poppy lays in bed in her big hotel suite bed and laments that this is what Ted has reduced them to. Gypsies living in a hotel and ordering room service. Okay, listen up. (laughs) It's not like he put you in a Motel 8 out off the highway where it's outside door access. Like, come on now. The girl, her girl child, Alexa, is like, Mom, gypsies don't order room services. They live in their car. <laughs> um, I, I meant to give a trigger warning. Yeah, I, that's, I meant to give a trigger warning at the top of this that the child's name is, in fact, Alexa. And so if you're listening. Hold on. No. <laughs> 
Yeah. If you're listening to us out loud, you might want to <laughs> unplug your echoes or just be prepared for her to talk to you a lot. Yeah. I meant to not say her name and then I forgot. Um, and also my um, shmishmexa just scared the crap out of me. So. <laughs> Do you know how I knew that you weren't ever going to say her name? Because you introduced that by saying her girl child, not even her daughter. <laughs> Heart is still pounding from the my Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so we cut to Poppy meeting a guy in a bar. She orders a Cosmo because sex in the city, New York City, right? right. I mean, that's what you have to you do. Have that's to. the only drink it's they serve there. Yeah, like yeah. I'm going back this December and all we're allowed to, they don't even have water anymore. It's just yeah. Cosmos all the time. <laughs> And you have to wear Jimmy Choo's or you get kicked out. Oh, I think it's Manolo's. Oh, that's true. She's a Malo- Manolo girl. A Malolo. Lamolo. <laughs> Listen, Shpamexa likes her in Lamolo's. <laughs> oh, man, we're so far off the rails. <laughs> um, so I thought maybe she was on a date or something, but then they start talking about the renovation. So I guess he's her contractor. Okay. Don't um, you? Yeah. Like, I'm having my back door installed next week. I had to buy a new one. Um, and I met with my door installer over drinks at um, the most romantic place in town. Because that's where you take care of business, right? <laughs> Do mean, you not? No. I rent. So I just call maintenance and they fix everything. <sighs> Lucky. I know. Um Poppy meets with her lawyer about a lump sum settlement for the divorce. He offers $10 million plus like her alimony and child support and all that. And she just laughs. She's like, oh my gosh, no, that will never do. Sign me. I will divorce you, sir. Yeah, I will divorce him too. I'll divorce him twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She asks for $180,000 a month for basic living expenses. How much? A hundred and eighty thousand dollars a month. Okay, so to put into that's pers- not even child support. That's her basic living expenses. To put into perspective, that is three and a half times what I make in a year. It's more than three <laughs> times what I make in a year. Yeah. Woof. Okay. Ted again says to give her whatever she wants. Um, he just wants the house in the Hamptons and joint custody of the kids. That's all he wants. Um, but this will never do for Poppy, you know. She finds the contractor living in his car, so she offers him a room in, quote, my hotel. No. So I guess she bought the St. Clifton. <laughs> well, you know, gypsies are known for buying hotels. Yeah. Um... um and I guess sex, too, because the next thing you know, they're in bed together. Are the kids still there? Oh, yeah. Poppy! <laughs> I mean, it's a suite, so they're in a different room. But we see them, like, she and the contractor are in bed together, and her kids are like, Mom, are you going to come have breakfast with us? And she's like, go to the cafe, leave me alone. <sighs> Look, we're going to get, the- we're not even into the stuff with the kids yet, and I'm going to scream, so um, just settle for a minute um yes ma'am 
they oh thank you <laughs> they interview the contractor's ex-wife who is from long island and she's like i don't know what are you gonna do about it like he, he moved into the hotel with her i don't know what you know <laughs> um in fact can you only speak in that accent for the rest of this podcast? no it's so hard <laughs> and so i don't just mean this episode i mean the entire podcast no <laughs> <laughs> so the contractor and all his workers are working on the house and they all, like, tell him he's playing a dangerous game by dipping his pen in the company ink. He puts in a brand new marble floor. And he, like, sh- Poppy comes in and he's like, here's the marble floor you wanted. It's done. And she's like, hmm, I don't want it. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> um, she's like, I don't, I don't want it. And he's like, oh, you don't, you don't like it? And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. I just don't want it. I want a wood floor. <laughs> also, I need $158,000 right now. Yeah. So he's like, um, that's going to be expensive. And she's just like, mm, it's not my money. And walks out. <sighs> they do more interviews of the workers talking about how Poppy and um, contractor would just go out and spend all the money like it was going out of style. They interview Ted's friends who say how happy he was that Poppy was dating someone new. <laughs> He's like, thank God. <laughs> She's finally turned her crazy onto someone else. Yeah. Poppy and contractor are sloppy drunk in a restaurant and she accuses some random patrons of the bar of spying on her. And so contractor like drags her drunk ass out of the bar. Um, Have you ever gone out on a date with, um, with a contractor and thought that people were spying on you? Like, I mean, like I could have stopped you at contractor. I've never been on a date with a contractor. So, <laughs> well, I just I didn't know that was something that I was missing out on, like in life. If you are, then I am too. I don't know. Um, Poppy meets Ted's with the kids. And they get into a huge fight in the street where they're literally pulling the children in different directions. Both of them. Like parent trap style? Like, I'm taking this one! <laughs> Pretty much. It was awful. It was awful. They're just little kids. I'm sorry, I can't. Ugh. Um, then Ted's sister talks about Easter when they went to get the kids to take them to the Hamptons. And we cut... Um, to the kids like little tiny robots downstairs um at the hotel and they take their dad their father to task about the house in the hamptons that belongs to their mother and it's not his house and he should just he has no business being there and they're not going with him there and then the kids say quote mom says you should just give her all your money because you can always make more oh my god and then I threw myself off my balcony because I just can't with people that put their kids in the middle like that. It's Remind so me never to have children. Disgusting. I mean, you and I both know that's not what you want. Um, so Ted takes this all very well, considering like what's happening. He dismantles all of Poppy's lies like super easily. Poppy and contractor, meanwhile, install surveillance cameras in Ted's house so they can spy on him. Well, duh. Casual, you know. Have you never installed surveillance cameras? I can't say that word, apparently. Cameras in your ex-husband's, well, on the way to being ex-husband's house with your contractor boyfriend? No. Aaron, you need to do more things with your contractor boyfriend. 
don't have a contractor boyfriend. Okay, well, step one, contractor boyfriend. Step two, everything else in this episode. God, I guess I'll sign up for Tinder. Jeez. Um, the kids come home from the weekend with their dad, and this pissed me off so bad. Poppy is just sitting, like, in the living room, and she's like, oh, you decided to come back. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're right on time. And she's like, mm. If you think that I'm just going to sit here and pretend that it's okay that you spent the, your whole weekend with him, then you're wrong. I'm, you should go to your rooms. So She sends them to their rooms for spending time with their father. What you're telling me is this um, divorce situation has made her like so much better psychologically and she's cured. Yeah, self-care, you know. Um <laughs> Ted bought them cell phones and she flips out and says that Ted's trying to give the kids brain cancer and then she takes them away. You know. You remember that big scare when everyone thought that your cell phone would give you brain cancer? I do remember that. You know what it actually wound up giving you? Zits on your face because you don't clean it off before you hang it up. I mean, before you use it again. Ted has a background check run on the contractor, um, and it turns out he's not the greatest guy. No. Imagine that. He has a criminal background. You're lying. He then gets the bill from the hotel and has a massive coronary because basically Poppy and the contractor are using the hotel like their home, and they're just renting rooms for their friends and family left and right and charging it to his account. Get you a contractor boyfriend, Aaron. I need you to do this for me. I, I need would, to stay in a room there. I would like the billionaire ex-husband that I just don't divorce instead. Okay, fine. You always make everything complicated. Here I, I am trying to find a way to make my life easier. And you're complicating <laughs> it all. <laughs> okay. Mm. So Ted cuts off the apartment renovations because she agreed to a million dollars in renovations, but has already spent three million dollars. Oh, I can't even fathom this kind of money. Poppy and the contractor skulk around and yell about how they can't let him get away with this. Like it's some kind of Scooby-Doo episode? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so Poppy and... Reta- Excuse me, hold on. <clears throat> In retaliation, she files for full custody of the kids. Which also is so shitty. Hey, everybody. Kids are not weapons. No, they're don't, not. I, don't people use, that use their kids as like pawns and their shit is so gross. It's disgusting. I hate it. Um... But the court orders psych evaluations for everyone. <laughs> Oprah just walks in and she's like, you get a psych eval. You get a psych eval. You get a psych eval. <laughs> um, so we see them both being uh, evaluated. The therapist tells the judge that Poppy is paranoid, narcissistic, and probably a psychopath. <laughs> so she gets denied sole custody and gets joint custody instead. Ted ups his uh, his um, offer, his divorce settlement offer to $25 million. And all he wants is the house in the Hamptons. And then they'll sell the estate in England and split the funds. This sounds more than fair to me. Yeah, but you and I were willing to settle for 
The ten. I mean, we asked for ten million right. earlier. I mean, pennies. I know. Look, if anyone will Venmo me twenty five million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> we will give you free lifetime access to Patreon. <laughs> True story. <laughs> you with um, an offer like that, who could refuse? Yeah, her lawyer even tells her that this is like a really good deal, and she says she makes him go back and say that they don't have a deal. She says it's at hiding funds like overseas. Um, so Poppy and the contractor watched Ted through the surveillance they set up in his house and Ted went on a date. No. Mm-hmm. And then in our edit of the week, for no apparent reason, we cut from Ted's date to the contractor immediately being arrested for DUI. <laughs> This is the part where they'd actually film stuff, and then, like, when they got to the editing room, they were like, oh, shit, we're two minutes over. What can we cut? Nobody will notice a jump in the timeline from the date to the arrest. It was so bizarre. Um, so, yeah, he gets arrested for DUI, and we watch Ted in his house some more. Um, we see him get into bed, and then all the surveillance windows that you can see him in just suddenly close. And we cut to the gate outside the house opening. A door opens because apparently the killer turned on all the lights while he was. It was weird because the door opens and it was really bright in the hallway. <laughs> um, Ted wakes up and screams. Um, and then we cut to a few days later. His coworker goes to check on him after he doesn't show up to a meeting and finds his body. He did. He real did. He real did. Yeah. The police come in and find the security system with all the video surveillance. Nine cameras had all been cut. Which leads them to surmise that maybe he knew his attacker. No. <laughs> Man, these are some good cops. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Muffy and Buffy are on the patio drinking still, and they say that they'll be so happy when the murderer is caught so, because they just hate having to lock their doors. So, for some reason, I pictured that Muffy and Buffy were drinking, like, before all of these events happened, and that they are still currently drinking. Not that it was an interview that was taking place at a different time, and I was like, damn, they're committed to mimosas at lunchtime. Look, I 100% believe that that's what happened. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they just hate having to, like, lock their doors. It's so hard to turn that little knob at the end of the night. <laughs> it's, I mean, and and her butler won't even do it for her. He makes her do it herself. Well, and back it's then, the they didn't even have Bluetooth locks, Aaron. <gasps> oh, my God. I need you to check your privilege for a minute and remember what it was like to hand turn a lock. Because I see oh, your- Oh, I'm sorry. Would you like to see the locks on I, I see your mansion every time we record. I'm looking at it right now. Up. Um, uh, Wait, is your contractor boyfriend redoing your marble floors right now? <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> I met him on Tinder while we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> Great, now just find you a billionaire ex-husband. Exactly, yeah. Nosy Nancy tells exactly where she and everyone she knows was that night. I love people like that. Like, it must have been quite a week on the next door app, if you know. <laughs> My neighborhood you... finally got next door. We got a letter oh. in the mail yesterday that said, Congratulations. 
don't do it. I'm not joining it, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who sends a letter to tell that like my neighborhood's so far behind that they had to send a snail mail letter that says, "Hey, by the way." Um, there's more speculation over whether he was gay, but basically everyone thinks Poppy did it. I don't know why they would think that. There is nothing in her history to suggest that she would. Um, Poppy practices her answers to the eventual interrogation questions. <laughs> it's like last, like last week when he was practicing how to, uh, <laughs> sorry, two weeks ago, was that two weeks yeah. ago, that he was trying to plead guilty? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the college admission college admission scandal. <laughs> Guilty. No, mm, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Your Guilty. honor. Guilty. Your honor? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, she then tells her children not to listen to the news or newspapers because their dad completed suicide by taking alcohol and barbiturates and definitely not by like ending up on the business end of a blunt object to the head. Haven't you ever taken alcohol? <laughs> I'm taking just, alcohol right now. <laughs> we all are. Um, gosh. Ted's sisters have a funeral for Ted, but they ask Poppy not to come. So she has like a private mass beforehand. And it turns out Ted left his entire estate to Poppy. Are we all shocked? I am. I mean, yeah. I mean, surely she wouldn't kill somebody who still left her in the will. No, never. Um, the entire estate is hers. And so she, the lawyer tells she and contractor that they now have like a hundred million dollars. Oh, how are they ever going to make it? I, you know, I don't know. The DA gives the press conference and the DA I'm almost 100% sure also plays um, the mayor in The Good Witch. Okay. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the same lady. But it made me laugh. There's so many Hallmark people this week. (laughs) Um, So the kids don't want to go to school because the kids at their school are mean to them because they think their mom killed their dad. You know. Right. Um, contractor says what they should do is start a fight and then the other kids won't be mean to them anymore. That's the solution. Man, he's an ideas man. Yeah, he's a really good dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ted's sister calls Poppy to see if she can take the kids to lunch and Poppy just crazies on about how um, she must be working with the police and refuses to let the kids go to lunch with their aunt. Right, isn't that how you would have responded? No. Erin, you're doing everything wrong this week. I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying, guys. She tells contractor that she wants to go back to England. And he's like, but I have, like, a family and I have to work. And she's like, how about you marry me and then you never have to work again? Like you do. Yeah. So one day after contractor's divorce is finalized, because he was still married... Yikes. They get married and move back to England. Now, when you say one day, do you mean like the next day or do you mean like just someday in the future? No, I mean they finalize his divorce and then the next day they got married. Holy moly. Yeah. 
contractor goes to England and he even gets some writing breaches. So he looks like a real Englishman. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he go- has to go back to New York for his that pesky DUI. Um, and Poppy doesn't want him to go back because she's afraid that the DA is going to keep him there. But he says, like, he has to go because they live in England, not freaking Brazil. <laughs> um, you know, there's like an extradition treaty and all that. So. That's stupid. Um, so they make out and she's like, oh, hurry back. Um, he is on his way out. He gets accosted by English reporters in his own yard and then American reporters outside the courthouse. So he goes to court and they take away his passport. Why would they do that? Um, well, because they didn't want him to leave the country. But he's married to a completely innocent woman. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, so everyone moves back to the house in the Hamptons. Um, we cut to all the interviewees being shocked and appalled that they moved into the house where the guy died. Um... So they're in the Hamptons and contractors talking to the kids about buying a boat and going fishing and teaching them how to fish, you know, like you do. And Poppy isn't looking so good. She gets up and she's like, I'm going to go lie down. I don't feel really well. But she collapses on the deck before she can get inside. And it turns out she has breast cancer and needs surgery, radiation, and chemo. And so she's at the hospital being told that she has cancer and she looks at contractor and is like, this is Ted's fault. Oh, I forgot about their prenup that said, if you kill me, you get to have breast cancer. Yeah. That's in my notes. So Poppy is convalescing in the hospital when they announce that contractor is the main suspect in Ted's murder. (gasps) I can't imagine why. That was some Shyamalan stuff. I could not (laughs) believe it. Um, the English nanny comes over from England to take care of everyone. Mary Poppins style, except of course. weird. <laughs> Contractor says that Poppy needs to go through with the radiation and the chemo. She can't just roll over and die. If she doesn't do it for herself, then to do it for the kids. And she just says, like, the kids will be well taken care of. She just needs Contractor to take care of her. So I guess she's just not going to treat her cancer. Okay. I mean, okay. So contractor just starts blowing through cash. He tells his friends that he has so much money he couldn't spend it all if even if he tried. Um, he and Poppy get into a fight about money because he like comes in one morning and he's like drunk, and he's had been in Vegas, and so she like she's like, "Would it kill you to spend some time here?" And he's like, "You know, it's like super hard having a grand jury investigating you." And she's like, "You know, it's super hard having cancer, so fuck you." Man, they are really like I can Tina-ing this whole. Yeah. It's supposed to be a happily ever after, guys. Come on. Um So uh, he says he keeps spending all the money for her. Which is I mean, I don't know how that works. I keep going to Vegas for you. Listen. <laughs> I I look at those showgirls and I think of you and how you used to be before the cancer. This is for you, baby. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, and it's for their future. Oh, <laughs> I have put my money into so many slot mach- scholarship funds for the kids. <laughs> so the contractor, we cut to him arguing with his attorney because the court wants him to spend a year in jail for this little pesky DUI that keeps coming up to bite him in the ass. Um, so he goes to prison. But he gets out after four months, which reminds me, did you see that Felicity Huffman was released after 11 days? Wow. I was yep. surprised she served any time, to be honest. I was too, actually. But um, English Nanny welcomes him home and tells him not to bother Poppy. And also she made up the guest room and have a nice day. <laughs> he yells that this is still his house and Poppy is still his wife. And maybe she wants to go back to England and eat greasy fish and chips, which I could use some fish and chips right now. So you can back off, sir. Um. English nanny has no time for his nonsense and says, perhaps those threats are effective in jail, but they don't work on her. <laughs> so he says not to test him or she'll wind up on the wrong end of a blunt object. And then Mary Poppins style, she reaches in her carpet bag and pulls out a Glock and finishes this episode. <laughs> no. So this, they're arguing wakes Poppy up and English nanny like rushes after her to take her back to upstairs and to bed. Um, and we cut to one of the people being interviewed saying that after that, she kicked contractor out of the house. I don't know why she would do that. It sounds like they had the perfect marriage. For real. So we see Poppy telling the kids that after she dies, they're going to live with the nanny. Okay. Because I that's guess that's normal. Really sad. Like, yeah. do they not have anybody else? They like cry and what they want to live with contractor. And she's like, no, you can't live with contractor. No. Um, but they go to meet him on the beach and they talk about how mean the nanny is. Contractor says he loves them so much and they all hug. Um, he calls Poppy and says he wants to raise the kids. He asks her to be reasonable, but she says no. Ted's sister also files for custody of the kids, which of course ends up on the news and goes really well. Um, because anytime the press gets involved, things are just yeah. easy, peasy, mm-hmm. lemon, squeezy. For sure. Actually, it's difficult, difficult, lemon, difficult. Um, Have you seen the one that says, um, oh, what was it? Depressedy, stressedy, lemon zesty? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Poppy's attorney goes on the news as well to say, shame, shame, shame. That is literally what he says. Shame, shame, shame. And you can quote me. Mm-hmm. He then, so her attorney then offers the contractor $2 million to walk away from everything. Um, he reminds him that it looks like he might be facing a murder charge soon. So he could maybe use that $2 million for his defense. So um, contractor takes the deal. The DA goes to Poppy and offers her full immunity to cooperate with the investigation Poppy just rolls over and says that Ted deserves everything he got and tells her to go away. She then slips into a coma and dies. Famous last words. Shit. She gave the nanny custody of the kids a million dollars in the house in the Hamptons. Contractor takes her ashes to the bar where they met and he orders her a box of ashes a Cosmo. And then lets a reporter take a picture and put it on the front page of the post. 
my morbid brain saw him pouring that Cosmo into the box of the ashes and like shaking it around until it's like a gloop and being like, there you go, sweetie. Wow. That was, <laughs> you're on a roll today. Listen. Um, he then remarries and is taking his pregnant wife out for dinner when he is arrested for the murder. Um, the kids plant a tree in their mother's honor and the English nanny sends the boy child to boarding school and keeps the girl child at home. Like you do. Which, wow. Like, that is messed up. Um, Ted's sister says she's still trying to get custody of the children, but it's really difficult, even when their mother is dead. Um, and the postscript says, in December 2004, Daniel Pelosi was found guilty of the murder of Theodore Ammon. He is serving a 25-year-to-life sentence. The end. Yikes. Y'all. Um... Yeah, I really did not enjoy this case this week. Oh. But um bright side because that was that one was actually kind of ripped from the headlines. Mm-hmm. So I've got some after the fact information Yay, that's going to be better. All right. So there are three main actors in this story. Mm-hmm. The first being Ted Ammon. So Robert Theodore Ammon was mm-hmm. born August 30th, 1949 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was married once before um, this horrible thing with Generosa Ammon. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let me get into his. There wasn't a whole lot I could find about his um, early life. Okay. Um, in fact, on Wikipedia, the early life section just says this section is empty. So. Wow. Um, but um, he did. Um, like I said, he was married once before. He was a financier and investment banker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was damned good at his job. Okay. Um, so. He um, lived in England briefly, um, and after he returned to the United States, he um, secured a position with um, a couple of, like, with a investment firm and then with a law firm, um, mm-hmm. and eventually he moved to a small investment firm called Kohlberg, Kravis, and Roberts, known as KKR. Sure. Um, in 1983, he was working on a... Um, deal with KKR um, and he just divorced his first wife um, and he was recruited by a private equity firm which localized which um, specialized in leveraged buyouts mm-hmm. um, and so he actually was um, influential instrumental that's what I'm looking for was instrumental in the um, Nabisco buyout in 19 like 92 i think that was um okay. where he helped negotiate a 31 billion dollar buyout that's so many many dollars that's that's a lot of zeros and a lot of cookies yes that's all that matters yep um so he um 
became a multimillionaire during this process and he was um, promoted up to general partner of KKR um, from mm-hmm. 90 to 92. Okay. Um, and he actually was quoted several times as an expert in a book called Barbarians at the Gate, The Rise and Fall of RJR Nabisco. Ooh. Yeah, real fancy. Um, so he was actually got in when this investment firm was very small. He kind of got in at the ground floor and rode Ooh. the wave until they became one of Wall Street's. This is a quote from um, Russ Baker in an issue of Gotham magazine. Um, okay. He was along the, for the wild ride as KKR grew into one of Wall Street's most aggressive and storied leverage buyout outfits. So they rose to power very quickly and he was very good at his job. And so, um, in 1992, um, he now is married to Generosa. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'll talk about her later. So I'm kind of telling their stories in three parts until they all converge. Okay. Um, so in 1992, he left KKR to start his own company called Big Flower Press. And Mm -hmm. they specialized in printing the like leaflets and inserts that go in newspapers for sale ads. Okay. Um, and he would negotiate like national wide, like nationwide sell ads to go in these newspapers. Um, okay. And so, um, it was later renamed Virtus holdings. And, okay. um, throughout the course of him being there, he, led spearheaded more than 30 acquisitions and it became the leading international supplier of marketing services, including like high yield printing and advertising and then imaging technology. Um, and it, it was kind of on the cutting edge of these kinds of technologies in the early nineties, early to mid nineties. Okay. Um, so this company went public in 1995 and in 1999, it was acquired by a group of investors, including Ammon, who had a a private, um, you know, when rich people like have private um, companies that they form that just exist to buy other properties, but they're kind of working on his behalf. So like he, private equity. Yes. So he bought his own company through this like third party that was actually him. Okay. Um. So he um, wound up becoming the CEO of this company um, and stayed there until 1997. And then um, he was the chairman of the board through December of 2000. Um, But as the market started to change, um, he realized it was time to get out of there. So he peaced out and um, sold his portion of the company and then like that was actually the really smart move and he made a ton of money out of it and he invested it into a couple of big corporations one of them being a direct competitor to Virtus the company he just left mm-hmm. and so he mm-hmm. just had a really good mind for the market and like right. what was happening so through the course of this he and his wife Generosa did adopt two children um mm-hmm. from Ukraine Mm-hmm. It was a set of twins, and they named them Greg and Shmeshmexa. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> so, um, oh, God. I almost did a spit. So 
they adopted the twins in October of 1992, um, mm-hmm. which is so very sad because they were left behind after everything. Um, yes. And as you said, like Generosa did die of breast cancer after this, which means mm-hmm. that they were made orphans again. Yeah. Yeah. Which is horrible. So Ted's marriage started to go downhill. Everyone knew she was crazy, but it started to go downhill whenever one day she was just, you know, casually going through his desk and found a receipt from a divorce lawyer. (sighs) And don't. Okay. He was found on October 22nd, 2001. Oh, bludgeoned to death in his bed in East Hampton, New York. Or in his home, sure. I mean. Um, they were days away from the divorce being finalized. Like, like less than a week away. Yikes. Um, because the divorce was not finalized and Ted's will had not been changed, Generosa inherited 50% of his estate. Okay. Um, the balance of his estate went to the Ammon Foundation. And then on January 15th, 2002, she married her boyfriend through the course of the divorce, Daniel Pelosi. Mm-hmm. So before I get more into his murder, uh, I want to jump over now and talk about our good friend, Generosa, mm-hmm. um, who I always, like, I always want to say Omarosa, like, <laughs> that would be a better name. Generosa is hard for me to say for no apparent reason. Yeah. So, Generosa was born March 22nd, 1956 in Laguna Beach, California. Okay. Um, so, she was born Generosa Rand Legay. Okay. It's a whole lot of name. That is a whole lot of name. Um, and she was raised by a single mother. When she was 10 years old, her mother died. And so after her mother's death, she had to go live with a series of different relatives, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so it'd be a few months here and a few months there. And, you know, you're with your aunt, whoever this week, and then grandma this week, you know. Right. And so I can imagine that's just a nightmare. Um, But she did eventually go on to graduate from University of California, Irvine in 1981. So that's really awesome. She, uh... Sorry. No, she graduated. And then in 1981, she moved to New York to be an artist. Okay. Um, <laughs> her, what did you call it? Ugly trash art. <laughs> yep. So, um, for some reason, and as a, as a artist myself, a professional working artist, I should say, um, yeah. I don't know why she couldn't make a living off of her art in New York City, where there were no other artists for her to compete with. There really aren't any artists in New York City at all. <laughs> so um, she had to go into real estate. Um, and so while working as a real estate agent, Ted Ammon made an appointment with her for an apartment that she was supposed to show him. So she called him to ask why he'd missed his appointment and try to reschedule. And somehow something in her voice said, sir, you should marry me. And that's exactly what he did. Okay. It was, um, you know, just true love. 
it's not even love at first sight. It's love at first phone call, which is its whole own category of true love that Hallmark has not yet capitalized on. So Lifetime, I know you're listening. Mm -hmm. If you want to jump in on the game, Aaron and I can write you some love at first phone call movies. We, we totally can. We, we can write anything you ask us to for the right price. Mm-hmm. You know, we will, we, unlike Generosa, we will settle for $10 million. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's collectively, which means we'll split it. That's $5 million Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, we're not greedy. Um, so they got married in 1986. And, um, and then later, like I said, they adopted a twin boy and girl from Ukraine. Um and in 2001, they're about to finalize their divorce. Through the course of their divorce, um, Generosa had um, moved out and had a townhouse of her own in New York City that she was okay. fixing up to move into. Um, and one day, a man named Daniel Pelosi called and said he was interested in doing some electricity work for her. Like, he was an unlicensed electrician. Was it love at first phone call for them? I think so. There's a lot of... And listen, she must be real good at phone calls. Because that's two men that fell in love with her over the phone. (laughs) It is. So she... uh, So now entered Daniel Pelosi, who was born August 2nd, 1963. Um, Mm -hmm. So he is... Before I get this wrong... um, Almost 10 years younger than Generosa. Um, so he uh, he calls Generosa, who was seeking uh, some someone to help with renovation. And apparently love at phone, f- first phone call for her meant to, instead of hiring him for the electricity work that he offered to do, she hired him to supervise the whole renovation and be her contractor. Okay. You know, some people go to classes and like get certified as a contractor and some people call rich women and just get to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's that cold calling hustle. Listen, I need to do some more of that then. Mm -hmm. Um, So apparently his contractoring work was so good. Contractoring. Yep. That's a word. Yep. His contractoring work was so good that they began their affair. And, you know, I often fall in love with people who are really good at contractoring. Um, <laughs> Pelosi was also still married with three children. And so, um, whenever, um, this affair started, he just moved in with Generosa at, their East Hampton house. No. Yeah, with Generosa and the two adopted kids. Okay. Because, as I understand it, um, Ted was, like, working in the city during the week, mm-hmm. and then would just come home on the weekends. Right. So, um, so when Ted's away, Generosa will play, I guess. Apparently. I just, I find the whole... Having an affair in front of your children really oogie. Yeah, that's pretty oogie. Like, I'm not, I'm not casting any kind of judgment on anything else, but don't involve your kids that way. Yeah. You know, in any case. So, um, he... I just, like, 
let's not involve the kids like at all. Like, don't use them as pawns in your divorce. Don't like I, I just mm. right. Don't yeah. Don't uh, have an affair like involving them. Yeah. And now I've changed my mind on you needing a contractor boyfriend. Mm, Instead, you need a rich, soon-to-be divorcee sugar mama. Because he got to live in her Hamptons home and drive their Porsche Carrera. Just for funsies. I don't swing that way, but if I did, I would be on the lookout. Listen, you're a catch. Whoever you're on the lookout for is lucky. Oh, thank you. I'm uh, feeling so hopelessly single lately. It's no. kind of depressing. Ah, uh, it's fine. Well, at least you're not her. It's true. <laughs> There's my it's positive true. statement for the day. Thank you. Um, so, um, now, so this is where the kind of all their paths intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, on October 22nd of 2001, um, Ted was found bludgeoned to death in his home in the Hamptons. And, okay. um, as things started to like revolve around this, um, things just didn't seem to match up. First no. of all, everyone in the Hamptons just like, like they just were like, oh yeah, she did it. But for some reason, they police did not make any kind of arrest or move for two years after the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, during which time, Generosa had inherited ninety-seven million dollars. That is so much money. Uh huh. And. October, November, December, January. Less than six months after her husband was bludgeoned to death, uh, remarried a man who'd been divorced for exactly one day. Yeah. Um, and blew through all the money. All of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, as the, um, this article from either the New Yorker or the New York Post, one of the two, um, said, this was media catnip. The New York Post set up shop and over the next three years published more than 200 articles about the incident and its aftermath. Wow. Vanity Fair and New York Magazine devoted multi-page features to the crime. Law and Order did an episode inspired by it. And then, of course, there's the television movie on Lifetime. Right. Um, so he, when police came in to investigate this, this death, um, he was, like you said, he was found by one of his coworkers at the KKR, KKR firm. Um, police determined the killer used a stun gun and then bashed his head over 30 times. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so naturally, everybody, all fingers turned toward Daniel Pelosi and um, Generosa, um, especially considering that he had a that Daniel Pelosi had a pretty extensive rap sheet, um, some violent tendencies in his past, oh. you know, and a huge explosive temper. Um, okay. So it's not like they're like this guy has a thousand speeding tickets and got caught with pot. He clearly did it. Like. 
Yeah. You know, because we hear all the time of people who have rap sheets and then you look at their rap sheet and it's like, okay, but none of this is real right. stuff. Like, <laughs> Yes. I, the news really likes to lead with that one. Yes. Um, so, um, let's see. I'm trying to find. Okay. Um. So during these two years before Pelosi was charged, a lot of weird things happened. And um, this quote from New York Magazine, let's see, Robert Kolker, who was a writer for New York Magazine, says, quote, it was one of those things everybody knows who did it and the police didn't do a thing for over two years. They don't make an arrest. They let Danny and Generosa leave the country. And so there were two possibilities. And I just laughed at his naivety with this. Yeah. Either the police are incompetent or they were building a case. It turned out they were building a case. <laughs> okay. Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. <laughs> uh, and I wrote, nah, they were probs incompetent. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um. So during these two years when police were building their case. At least these police would have an excuse for being incompetent because there's only been two murders in 60 years. Right. Whereas, you know, you know. Right. <laughs> like, up until this point, the biggest crime in the Hamptons was um, the Barefoot Contessa's haircut. <laughs> I'm really proud of myself for that one. That was really good. <laughs> so, um,. For one, there was a man in the Hamptons who told the media that he'd had an anonymous homosexual encounter with a man he believed to be Mr. Ammon. So, naturally, Generosa and, or like Generosa's legal team and Pelosi's legal team were like, see, that's, it couldn't have been our clients. There was a gay man and you know they like to kill people in the Hamptons. (laughs) Well, the movie did have like a... A quick, like, suggestion that there was a naked man running down the street the night of the murder. <laughs> okay. That nobody called the police. Like, that none of those stuck-up Hamptons people called the police over, but they just talked about it forever. Right. <laughs> um, so, the, uh, the quote that I... <laughs> <laughs> the quote that I came up with to to uh, summarize this was, quote, he slept with a gay. That's how he died. Like, <laughs> as somebody from the South, I feel like somebody has said that in my life. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, um, meanwhile, Generosa and Pelosi eloped and then they moved into um, first Mr. Pelosi's house. But soon, um, soon after that, that's when Generosa was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she died in 2003. So that was pretty quick succession. Um, Seven months after her murder, uh, after her death, I mean, police arrested uh, Mr. Pelosi with the murder of Ted Ammon. Although not before Mr. Pelosi collected Generosa's ashes and took them to a bar where he had a drink and a chat with a reporter from the New York Post. Yeah. <laughs> Where I wrote, hold up, gotta take my gal out for drinks. Like, <laughs> Not a good look. Right. Um, so their house was put on the rental market. And um, 
renters. Yeah, we're in the Hamptons. What the Hamptons? Um, and surprisingly, lots of people wanted to go and walk through the house, but none of them wanted to rent it. Hmm. I know you're shocked, just as I, I was. I <laughs> um, somebody I mean... said, let's see. One of the um, real estate brokers in the area said lots of people wanted to look at it, but it was very hard to get people to stay in the house. It was like living next to a cemetery. And then this article wanted to really make it very clear for you that a decorator was hired to redo the bedroom where the murder took place. So don't worry. They didn't just leave it an active crime scene and tell the renters, we'll give you a discount because the master bedroom's inaccessible. Please ignore the stain <laughs> on the floor. It's fine. Um, hell? So once the trial started, um, the chief witness against Daniel Pelosi was an inmate who he'd spent time in jail with um, for that DUI charge that was brought up in the movie. Um, okay. The inmate said that Daniel confessed everything to him. And as proof, he pulled out a muscle and fitness magazine that, and then this article didn't like it had too many pronouns and not enough proper nouns for me to know who this goes to. So it said it, he'd inscribed the sorted details in this magazine. So I don't know if Daniel wrote down these details or if this unnamed inmate wrote down the details. There's, There's no way no to know. Way to know. Um, so then a former girlfriend of Daniel Pelosi testified against him. Um, he was convicted in 2004 of second degree murder. Mm -hmm. Um, and let me flip back here. So, um, oh yeah. Okay. So some other things about him, I knew switching between my articles instead of writing a narrative like I normally do, I knew I was going to leave something out. Mm -hmm. So when they investigated Ted's murder, he was arrested, um, or while they were investigating, he was arrested once for punching a crew member of a tour boat um, when the crewman refused to serve him any more alcohol. They said he was too drunk, and he was going to prove that he fucking wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you nothing him. says I'm not drunk like punching someone in the face. <laughs> and then he was charged with stealing $43,000 worth of electricity from the Long Island Power Authority. How do you steal that much electricity? You have zillions of dollars. Why do you need to steal that much electricity? Like, I want to know, was he plugging into like a public outlet at one of the transit terminals and just filling hundreds of like portable power banks? Like, how do you steal this much energy? What I you Um... So before Generosa died, she did cut Daniel Pelosi out of her will. Um, so he challenged the will and a post-nuptial agreement that entitled him to $2 million for legal fees. He did wind up getting the $2 million for legal fees. Oh. Um, prosecutors theorized that Pelosi killed Ammon to ensure his newfound lifestyle because he was enjoying living in the Hamptons. His former girlfriend testified that he'd said he enjoyed killing Ammon. Um, yep. His father testified, and this is the worst, when your dad goes on trial and say, or like, goes on to testify, says, yeah, Daniel asked me how to get rid of incriminating evidence. Look, the first rule of murdering someone is you just know what you know. Right. You, like, there's no, you can't Google anything after that. You can't, you just, you go in, you know what you know, and that's it. Right. 
You can't ask anybody. No. You dummy. Definitely not Also, your I could never kill anyone because, like, the thought of getting that dirty just oogs me out. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine calling your dad and be like, hey, Pops. So, like, hypothetically, if I were to be covered completely in another person's blood, how would you say to get it out of my shirt? Well, first of all, I would not call another, I would not call a man to ask me how to get blood out of something. <laughs> I would call a woman because we know. And second of all, to that point, I already know how to get blood out of stuff. So don't test me. <laughs> um, so he pleaded guilty to witness tampering in his murder trial um, in exchange for dropping charges that were brought against his wife and his fiance. So, um, his, hold on. <laughs> yep. Let me back up. Back let up. me unpack that one for you. Please. So <laughs> his first wife, Tammy, was accused in a separate case for helping him steal the $43,000 in electricity. So that was actually before he met Generosa. Okay. But still. So his ex-wife and his fiance. Uh Uh-huh. And then, and his, it's his fiance is the one he married after Generosa. So they're like, look, one of them's already dead, but we can get the other two. Um, so his fiance, Jennifer Zolnowski, 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 Jennifer Z., Nailed it. <laughs> Was accused of being a, an accomplice in the murder. Okay. So, um, so he took the plea deal. So they dropped the charges against them. Um, and so the, um, since there were no charges pending against Jenny Z, they were able to get married. And they, so they got married right before he started his prison sentence and she gave birth to their son, August 31st, 2004, which means she married him knowing that he was on trial for murder and thinking it was cool anyway. Yeah. I mean, it is cool. Don't you know? Apparently. (laughs) So he was eventually found guilty, of course, for, um, as I said, second degree murder, um, he will not even be eligible for parole until October 14th, 2031 when he will be 67 Mm. years old. Um, what a shame. Yeah. Let's hoping, let's hope that he doesn't like get it. Um, (laughs) even though he, I know this is going to shock you. He maintains that he's innocent. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, no way. So after, um, after the mom dies, after Generosa dies, and through the course of this trial, um, Greg and Schmeshmexa, um, they they were caught up in this crazy custody battle where um, Generosa's will did leave them in cu- the custody of their old nanny, Nanny Maine, M-A-Y-N-E is her last name. Um, and while she had- How does it really roll off the tongue like Mary Poppins? Right. So, um, so Nanny Maine did send Greg to, um, a boarding school. And so then the twins are parentless for the second time, are pretty sure their mother was involved in the murder of their father and now mm-hmm. separated. Yeah. This whole, like the real victims in this case, no offense to Ted, cause he really didn't do anything wrong, but are the children. Yes. Um, so Eventually, um, Sandra Williams, Ted's sister, 
sued mm-hmm. for custody and was granted custody. So they relocated to Huntsville, Alabama, which they both admit was a really hard move for them to go from the Hamptons to Huntsville, which that is a, a Hallmark movie title if I've ever heard of that one. Is a, that is a great Hallmark movie title. Right? From the Hamptons to Huntsville. You know, I have family in Alabama. You know this, but in Alabama and in Mississippi. And I have to, I have to get in like a mindset before I can go there. Yeah. It's yeah. like a whole, I mean, that it's like a whole other planet. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so and I, I maintain like when Reese, Reese Witherspoon in Sweet Home Alabama says people need a passport to come down here. It's true. <laughs> So the culture shock is real. And I, I just, I live in Texas. It's not like I live in New York. So, right. (laughs) So, um, now that we are after the fact, um, Greg decided to make a documentary about those two and a half years. Oh, between their father's murder and the trial. Oh, Um, and so it premiered, um, at, the Hamptons Film Festival, and then was again shown at um, the Jazz for Jazz at Lincoln Center, and I'll talk about okay. that in a minute because um, I have a per- couple of personal connections to that. But cool. um, anyway, so he um, let me see where it talks about. I'm trying to find the title. Oh, uh, Fifty Nine Middle Lane is the um, documentary that he made. It premiered at the Hamptons Film Festival. Um, and then it was shown again, Lincoln at Jazz Center. Um, so um, he talks about in that, that um, the only information they got came from the media. So they like the way they found out that the new trials defense was, or that the, the new defense was that uh, they couldn't have possibly done it because their dad was gay was because of the news. Um, yeah. Um, and he said that everything they heard they knew was crap, but it was, it was all absurd, but it really affected the way that he looked at both his mother and his father. Um, and so he used this documentary as his own way to come to terms with everything that he had dealt with. Yeah. Um, and coming to, and of trying to figure out who his parents actually were on his own. Um, so he and his sister spent the past couple of years actually, um, interviewing relatives and they talked to, you know, talked with them about what happened. They stayed at their house on middle lane in middle lane, the, um, the one in the Hamptons, cause they'd not been back really since the murder. Wow. Um, and so, um, they in fact then went to Ukraine in search of their birth mother. Um, so they just, they did a lot of. That's really interesting. I, I, I'm going to have to look that up and see if I can find it. Yeah. So he said, it's such a burning question when you're adopted. You never know what's out there. I was expecting to knock on the door and this big fat old woman would open it. Would be my birth mother and she would open her arms. I thought it was a second chance to find a family. Those poor kids. Like, I... Mm. Um, instead, he... I mean, I already I- said my piece. They're, I mean, the, they're, those two were the victims in this case. Like, the real... So, um, instead he and Alexa found their half sister 
who told them that their birth mother was a sex worker and who died of alcoholism and that they were the result of a one night stand and she doesn't know who their father is. Um, horrible. Yeah. So, um, they inherited after all was said and done, Daniel had squandered all their money away in that two and a half years. Um, Generosa had. Oh, but I thought he said he couldn't spend it all if he tried. Right. Um, Generosa had not set up, like, trust for them or anything. So they wound up only inheriting, only, I know, but only inheriting a million dollars of their father's estate apiece. So of the 97 million that their mother inherited, they got 2 million. See, that's the sad part is that they took 97 million dollars, squandered 95 of it, and left these two children with. I'm sorry, you know, a million dollars, yes, is a lot of money and could solve a lot of problems for me. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of money to get through your life with. Right. Um, so for... Te- Especially when you have no family looking after you to help you, like... Yes. That's so, terrible. And I hate it. Thank so, you very much. Well, let's do some <gasps> positive at the end of it. What? Okay. You sounded happy. Nothing. Oh. Um, so thousands of people attended Ted's funeral at hap- or his memorial service, um which was held in the Alice Tully Hall, which is the home of Jazz at Lincoln Center. Um, So he sat on the board for Jazz at Lincoln Center. He really supported the arts. Um, He supported that people have access to music and especially jazz. He loved jazz. He wound up being good friends with Wynton Marcellus, who is a world-renowned jazz musician, if you don't Mm -hmm. know who he is. Um, My parents didn't whenever I told them last week. So last week, you know, I I was in New Orleans for a... um, workshop but the first night of it i sat and listened to a performance that was went marcellus's father um oh cool yeah we went to this little um restaurant that has like a real like a real jazz hall in it where you sit and it's like the little tables and everyone's quiet yeah. and then like you uh-huh. snap i mean it was so fancy but it was 40 dollars a ticket to go to the concert or you could request wow. the table closest to the performance and hear it all for free and just eat your dinner like pay for your dinner so that's uh-huh. what we did yeah. but um also, I had a good friend in college who worked at Jazz at Lincoln Center um, after he graduated. And so I thought it was a very interesting connection. But um, that is. so on October 22nd, 2012, um, the twins donated a $1 million gift from the Ammon Foundation, which is where. So, you know, I told you that she got $97 million, but that was half of his per, like half of his stuff. Yes. The other mm-hmm. half went to the Ammon Foundation. So that okay. still exists because it gives money and scholarships and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is I actually. I hope they gave some money and scholarships to his like own children. I, I get the feeling that they were in a good place because the connections that he built that like they weren't as well set up as they would have been with their parents, obviously, you know, right. But, um, well, I'm sure like people didn't just like walk away. I mean, people look, everyone in the Hamptons loves a good cause. So, right. I mean, that's one that dropped right in their lap, but still like, so it's just still so sad. So they donated a million dollars from the Ammon foundation to jazz at Lincoln center to, Build and name the R. Theodore Ammon Archives and Music Library. Oh, cool. And Wynton Marcellus himself said Ted considered the archive and music library essential to the integrity of this institution. The Ammon Archives and Music Library will be accessible to students and lovers of jazz the world over. 
That's so cool. Um, yeah. So, so the the also, twins. So it is have... very important to archive music. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, also, Wynton Marcellus said the a quote that I want to remember forever in his funeral. Let's see if I can find it. Um, Wynton Marcellus at the service spoke, and he said. We want to know, and he was kind of speaking to the media that was breaking from this, like, you know, just how it had become a circus already. Mm-hmm. He said, we want to know the particulars of death. It it repulses us, it calls us, and it fascinates us. But mm-hmm. only the dead know the facts of death, and they never tell. Wow. So. it's very profound. With that profound quote, I'm going to end it there. Okay. Because I did so much reading, I could go on for another hour but it's, no, it's so interesting. Like, oh, but also this case is just horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, so do you have a lifetime movie of the week? You first. Oh, well, I need you to go first. Cause we're going to pick movies for next week. Cause I don't have one. Okay. Then <laughs> I have a list, but it's not here with me. So I was going to go get it while you were talking. Oh, <laughs> we're professionals. Yep. How about you just pick four random numbers between 1 and 58? Okay. Wait, I think. I'm making sure I took out all of last month's. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, 16? No, I didn't take all of, out all of last month's. Did I pick one? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we'll do 13. Okay. Ooh, okay. 51. Uh, okay. 7. Okay. And 48. All right. So... In no particular order, we have Taken in Broad Daylight. Okay. Um, The Novak Murders. Okay. Crimes of the Mind, which I don't know Ooh. what that one's about, but it sounds good. <laughs> um, and then finally, I'm going to let you, ch- there's, there's another choice here. Okay. Because the final movie is No One Would Tell. And this one has been done twice. It was done in the early 90s and then it was done again a couple years ago. The one a couple years ago, I believe, stars um, Alyssa Milano. Let's do that one. Are you sure? Do you want to hear who's in the other one? Okay, but I love me some Alyssa Milano. Candace Cameron Bure. Oh no, CCB for real? All right. It's like one of the only Lifetime movies she was ever in. Yes. She was only in a couple. Okay. So do you want to do CCB or do you want to do Alyssa Milano? CCB. Okay. <laughs> um, man, that's a hard choice, though, between those two. But because <laughs> CCB is like, it's so much more surprising that she was in a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also pulled also, up my... I'm probably going to talk shit about her the whole time, so... I also pulled up my case that I wanted to talk about while we were talking just now. Um, So I read about this on rollingstone.com. It was in their like wildest crime stories of 2017 or something. The 10 most WTF crime stories of 2017. (laughs) 
That's a great title. Yes. Okay. So just the, the headline of this one. Mm-hmm. Vatican drug orgy broken up by cops. You were That's not prepared. <laughs> and so I'm just going to read verbatim what they wrote because I need this movie now. In the epics party department, a priest at the Vatican was caught by police in a big gay drug orgy. (laughs) Big gay drug orgy. Title of my sex tape. Wow. (laughs) Neighbors were sick of the noise and the steady stream of young men visiting Monsieur Luigi Capozzi's apartment. Sorry, Fran. So they called the police. (laughs) According to the Italian newspaper... That I'm not trying. Il Foto. Nope. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Please keep going. Quotidiano. That was so good. You nailed it. Members of the. Pon- Fran is going to call you just screeching. <laughs> Members of the Pontifical Swiss Guard, the Vatican's police force, arrived at the scene mid orgy where they found a group of nude men rolling around on the floor in the throes of pleasure. Though gay sex isn't illegal in the Vatican City, drugs are, and Capozzi was arrested. The. Priest was serving as a secretary to Cardinal Francesco, God, all these names. I'm not trying that one. Who heads the Pontifical Council for Legislative Text and advises the Pope. So this is sort of like the Da Vinci Code, but with way more dongs. Yeah, but like, okay, but sex isn't illegal in the Vatican, but isn't it frowned upon for the priest to be having sex at all? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not Catholic, so I don't know. <laughs> he was reportedly, and this is this is what the Catholic Church does. Mm-hmm. He was reportedly sent to a convent outside of Rome to repent, and his position was replaced. Which, good, send him somewhere, let him repent, whatever you think. You know, like, if you think he's a drug addict, maybe rehab is the place you want to send him. But, maybe. Yeah. Um, but often when there are cases involving priests they just get sent to a new convent where they screw more people up which oh it's like the last week with the police officers and the doctor deaths and all that crap Uh Mm -hmm. the same thing this isn't necessarily a case where he screwed anybody up but you know like there was a um a case file that stuck out to me about a priest who like went on a rampage through australia because he just kept getting moved from parish to parish Mm -hmm. and the like many kids that he messed with that way so that's mine mostly just because the line (laughs) a big gay drug orgy gay drug orgy wow why don't you try to google that and see what happens hard pass (laughs) (laughs) and on this week's patreon Aaron will google and read every search result (laughs) nope 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 <laughs> all right well is that it for today i think so um thanks guys for tuning in with us yes Aaron, tell the lovely people where they can find us oh um we're on instagram at lifetime sentence um facebook uh facebook.com slash lifetime sentence on twitter at life sentence pod wow that took me a minute <laughs> um it's because i went out of order right 
You can shoot us an email at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find episode notes and the like at lifetimesentence.com. Mm-hmm. And of course, please join us over at our Patreon at yeah. Lifetime Sentence. Pa- Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. <laughs> I never say the Patreon, so then I panicked. Oh no. I was like, at no. Lifetime Sentence Patreon.patreon.patreon.com. <laughs> And to everyone joining us from my live stream with Duck the Hallmark, <laughs> thank you, and I'm sorry. This is the best episode we've had in a long time, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, well, until next time, guys, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.